Welcome to the Labor Know Your Rights podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and this is brought to you by the National League of Justice and Security Professionals, where the members come first. We'll be discussing heroines of the labor movement. These women were true powerhouses in the labor movement. The first lady we're going to discuss is Mary Harris Jones, also known as Mother Jones. She helped establish the Industrial World Workers, also known as the Wobblies. She was born in 1830 and died in 1930. She immigrated from Ireland and lost everything during the Great Chicago Fire. When that happened, she sought the help of the Knights of Labor and then became an activist for them. She traveled the nation going from location to location to support strikers. Mother Jones was also known as the Worker's Angel. She helped establish the Social Democratic Party in 1898. At age 82, she was arrested for her part in a Pennsylvania mine strike that turned violent and was sentenced to 20 years. But her supporters rallied behind her and convinced the governor to give her a pardon. Undeterred, she returned to organizing workers. She died November 30, 1930. She asked to be buried in the Miners Cemetery in Mount Olive, Pennsylvania, so that she could be with the workers to the end. Our next heroine is Agnes Nestor. She worked in a glove factory that went on strike in 1898. The reasons behind the strike were that the workers had to pay for the electricity to run their sewing machines. If they broke a needle, they had to replace it at their own cost, and they had to go across town on their own time to purchase lubrication for their sewing machines at their cost. The company made an offer in a letter that if any worker brought in that letter, they would be restored to their old position. No power charge would be made, and the needles would be replaced at cost. But because the company refused to acknowledge the union allow a union shop, the strike continued. Agnes later became president of her glove union local and even later took on a leadership role in the international. She also served as president of the Chicago branch of the Women's International Trade League from 1913 to 1948. Jeannie Curtis was part of the Pullman strike that started in the summer of 1894. Over wage cuts and deductions for rentals for company housing. The American Railroad Union, formed by Eugene Debs, staged the strike in Pullman, Illinois, essentially cutting the transportation of freight and passengers west of Detroit. The strike began with a walkout of 4,000 employees on May 11th, one of which was Ginny, who was a upholstery seamstress who joined the protest because three-quarters of her income was being taken from her paycheck for rent of a company house. She said, We are not fighting just for ourselves, but for working conditions for workers everywhere. Troops ended the strike a few weeks later, but the significance is felt today still. Labor Day was created as a result. Thousands of women participated in the Pullman strike. Ella Reeve Bloor, also known as Mother Bloor. Her single goal in life was to make life happier for the world's unfortunates. She was born July 8, 1862. 
near Mariner's Harbor, Staten Island, and in New Jersey. She described herself as the daughter of a rich old Republican. Her ancestors fought in both the Revolutionary and Civil War. At age 17, her mother passed away and Ella became responsible for her nine younger siblings. Her father was a conservative, so when she became interested in political and social reform, she turned to her great-uncle, Dan Ware. Ella became involved in the women's suffrage movement and women's Christian temperance union and Women's Ethical Cultural Society of Philadelphia. Over the years, she suffered 30 arrests, numerous acts of violence against her, and frequent harassment by police. Claire Limlick was involved in the Triangle Walkout common waste shirt industry at the time. The walkout turned into a general strike and was written up in the newspaper on November 13, 1909. The decision to strike was reached yesterday at the Cooper Union meeting, which was addressed by Samuel Gompers, the president of the AFL. Gompers was given an ovation when introduced by Chairman Benjamin Lickenbaum. The vast crowd rose to its feet and cheered very enthusiastically for him for several minutes. A man would be less than human, said Gompers, in opening if he was less than impressed by your reception. I want all you men and women not to give all your enthusiasm to a man. I prefer you put all your enthusiasm in your union and your cause. At the end of Gomper's speech, Clara Limlick, who had been beaten up during the strike, interrupted and said, I'd like to say a few words. Many hands helped lift the frail young lady up onto the stage, and she simply said, I have listened to all the speakers talk, and I have no more patience for talk. For I am one of those who feels and suffers from the things pictured. I move that we go on a general strike. As her voice faltered, the crowd rose in mass. They shouted and cheered her declaration of war for living conditions until they were hoarse. Louisa May Alcott was a classic American novelist who wrote Little Women plus various other works under other names. Unknown to most people, she had been writing poems, thrillers, short stories, and juvenile tales since 1851 under the pen name Flora Garfield. The great success of Little Women, 1869 through 1870, gave her financial freedom and a demand for more books. Over the final years of her life, she put out a steady stream of novels and short stories, mostly for young people and drawn from her family life. Her other books include Little Men, 1871, Eight Cousins, 1875, and Joe's Boys, 1886. She also wrote the book Work, 1873. Florence Kelly, born September 12, 1859. A social reformer, who contributed to the development of federal and state labor and social reform legislation. In 1891, she moved to Chicago and became a resident at Jane Adams Hall's Settlement House and quickly took her place as one of the most active residents. In 1892, she did a parallel investigation into the slum conditions in Chicago and the sweatshops. 
the Illinois laws that regulated the number of hours that women could work, regulated sweatshops, and child labor laws were a direct result of her investigations. As a result of her work, she was appointed the chief factory inspector for Illinois. To further the prosecution of violators, Kelly enrolled in the Law School of Northwest University. She graduated in 1894 and was admitted to the bar. In 1899, she moved to New York City to become the General Secretary of New National Consumers League. She retained that position until her death. She set up some 60 locals and consumer leagues. Our next heroine is Lucy Parsons, born around 1859. Little is known of her early years. She was politically radical for her times. She was one of the first minority activists. She spent much of her time as a champion for others, including for minorities, women, and workers. She married Albert Parsons, a former soldier and activist. In 1871, the couple moved to Chicago. In a few years, they became involved in the city's labor struggle. A few years later, Lucy became even more radical and joined the International Working People's Association. The group believed that the government should be dismantled and capitalism ended by any means necessary, including violence. Known for her powerful speeches, Parsons led a strike in May 1886 in Chicago's Haymarket Square. The event turned into a riot and her husband was arrested for a bombing related to the strike. Despite her best efforts to free him, he was executed in 1887. She went on to become a founding member of the International Workers of the World. In 1942, Lucy died in a fire in her Chicago home. African-American activist Dorothy Hype was born in 1912. She was the daughter of a building contractor and nurse. In high school, she became known as a great orator and a political and social activist. She won a scholarship in a national competition for speaking. She had applied and been accepted at Bernard College. But as the school approached its new year, they notified her that they had changed their mind about her admittance, saying that they had met their quota for African-American students. Undeterred, she applied and attended New York University, where she earned two degrees, a bachelor's degree in education in 1930 and a master's degree in psychology in 1932. After working as a social worker for a few years, she joined the staff of the Harlem YWCA in 1937. Shortly thereafter, she had a life-changing event when she met, I met educator and founder of the National Council of Negro Women, Mary McLeod Buffain, and U.S. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt came to visit the facility. One of Haidt's greatest accomplishments while working for the YWCA was the integration of all her facilities in 1946. She also established the Center for Racial Justice in 1965, which she ran until 1977. In 1957, she became president of the National Council for Negro Women. Through the center and the council, she became one of the leading figures in the civil rights movement. Height worked with Martin Luther King Jr., A. Randall, Roy Wilkins, 
Whitney Young, John Lewis, and James Farmer, sometimes called the Big Six of the Civil Rights Movement. In 1994, President Bill Clinton awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom. In 2004, President George W. Bush gave her the Congressional Gold Medal. She later befriended the first African-American President Barack Obama, who called her the godmother of the Civil Rights Movement, according to the New York Times. Height died on April 20, 2010. On February 1, 2017, the United States Postal Service kicked off Black History Month with the issuance of the Dorothy Heights Forever stamp honoring her civil rights legacy. Born a slave, Ida B. Wells was the oldest daughter of James and Lizzie Wells. About six months after Ida's birth, the Union declared all slaves free. At age 16, both her parents and a sibling died during a yellow fever epidemic. Later in life, on a trip to Nashville, she had bought a first-class ticket on the railway. She became outraged when the crew of the train demanded that she move to the car for African Americans. On principle, she refused and was forcibly removed from the car, biting one of the men on the hand. Ida sued the train company, and in a secret court settlement, she won $500, but this was overturned by the Tennessee Supreme Court. This injustice led Ida to write several articles about the injustice of the South. As a teacher, she took on the conditions in the black-only schools in the city. In 1891, she was fired for those attacks on the schools. She went on to champion another cause when a friend of hers and two business associates of his were murdered. The three men had started a grocery store, but it was taking business away from another white grocery store. So during one night, they were guarding their store when vandals attacked them and they shot and killed some men and were arrested. But justice was never done as they were taken out and lynched by a mob. She spent two months traveling the South, gathering information on lynchings. She wrote several articles, one upsetting the whites in the town who went to her newspaper office and destroyed all her equipment. Fortunately, she was traveling to New York at the time, but she was warned that she would be killed if she ever returned to Memphis. These women were true heroes, and there are many more that we didn't talk about. I hope you enjoyed learning about some of these heroines. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episode topics, you can reach me at laborknowyourrights at gmail.com. Our website is www.laborknowyourrights.com. We are also on Facebook. I would also like to thank Union Thugs for posting about our podcast on their Facebook page. Please follow us or subscribe to our podcast on your podcast application. That way you will get notices when new episodes come out. Labor Know Your Rights podcast is brought to you by the National League of Justice and Security Professionals, where the members come first. (laughs) 